0: From Yahoo Finance, this is Electionomics. I'm Rick Newman.
1: And I'm Alexis Christophorus. Welcome, everyone, to the Electionomics podcast. Uh, we here at Yahoo Finance are all broadcasting from our respect and impact on the 2020 election. We're not talking much about the election. It seems like Joe Biden, uh, the, the presumptive Democratic nominee, has gone into hiding. But but we want to talk about how this virus could impact President Trump's chances of being reelected. And I guess the latest, Rick, is that Trump is saying we could reopen the economy in less than a month. He's looking at Easter now. Uh, Just first off, what are your thoughts?
0: Well, my read on what's going through President Trump's mind is uh, he recognizes that you just don't win reelection as an incumbent president. Uh, If there's a recession on your watch, especially if it comes late in your watch, uh, leading into when voters go to the polls. Now, obviously, many other things are going on here. Um, I I don't think any voters uh, actually blame President Trump or would blame him for the fact that the coronavirus exists or that it uh, arrived here in the United States. I mean, that would have happened under any president. But there are some major questions about Trump's handling of it and about the federal government's response to the virus in uh, the in the effect it's now having on the basically the entire u.s economy so um just to frame this uh conversational let's i i just want to um look up some so i'm looking into my webcam here and my computers over here so i'm going to look over to this uh, study that uh uh larry Sabato, the political scientist at the university of virginia put up uh on his uh, uh political site which is called Sabato's crystal ball anybody can look this up this is some analysis by uh Uh, Alan Abramowitz, a political scientist. So uh, Alan Abramowitz has done some good analysis on a president's re-election odds given two things, Uh, his his or her approval rating, but it's always been his. So approval rating and change in GDP in the second quarter of the election year. So just to give you a sense of where this seems to sit for President Trump right now, um, President Trump's approval rating is about a minus 10. That's what it has been for most of his presidency. Uh, and we are now hearing projections that GDP growth could hit negative three, four or 5% on a year over year basis uh, in the second quarter. So um, if, uh, if, if we were to have negative GDP growth of 3%, so negative uh, -3, 3% GDP growth, Trump would only get 184 electoral votes. If GDP falls to minus 4% year over year, uh, tr- that Trump's electoral vote total would fall to 164. And if it's minus 5% in GDP, Trump only gets 144 electoral votes, it takes 270 270 electoral votes to win. So if Trump only wins between uh, 144 and 184 electoral votes, that is a shellacking. Um, that's a wipeout, that's not even a close election. So that's how the coronavirus is uh, affecting Trump's reelection odds, at least on paper. Now, there are some people who think, um, well, uh, maybe the country will rally behind President Trump uh, and uh, sort of view him the way you might view a wartime president, uh, you know, when the nation would get attacked, such as George W. Bush after uh, the 9-11 terrorist attacks. We had Anthony Scaramucci, the former Trump advisor. Uh, on uh, our air recently on Yahoo Finance saying Trump could win. Scaramucci has been one of these sort of um, guys who backed Trump and then completely flipped and said uh, he's he's terrible, I, he's going to get creamed in November. But now with these developments, Scaramucci is saying, oh, maybe he could win. Uh, we have no idea whether uh, voters will rally behind Trump as if he's a wartime president. I do know that Uh, As of now, which is about 10 days after this whole thing really started to get bad, there's basically been no change in Trump's approval rating. Um, I expect that to change uh, one way or the other because, I mean, this is just such a profound event. Maybe people just don't know what to make of it, but I think as more polls change, that will change for Trump. So Trump knows he's got to get something going here. Uh, He's got to get the economy started again. He's got to do something about the millions of jobs we're going to lose Obviously, he pays a lot of close attention to the stock market, which I know you've been talking about every day, breathlessly, Alexis. So that is Trump's problem, and it's a big one.
1: Now, I want to get back to his approval rating. You said it's at minus 10 percent. That's
0: his net net approval rating. So when you uh, when you say the portion who approve uh, minus the portion who disapprove. So um, his uh, let's say his uh, net approval, I think the last time I looked at five thirty eight was around 44% net approval, and maybe uh, disapproval was 52%. I mean, so that's 8%. Uh, the, his net approval then would be negative eight. So he's in that range. He's been in that range of uh, around negative eight, negative 10. I mean, he has had a negative approval rating his whole uh, presidency.
1: What about this, this concept of President Trump as a wartime president? I believe he said it himself, during one of the numerous press conferences he's been having with the media, he, he likened the virus to, to uh, war. And he was saying that he was a wartime president. Um, what could he be doing, Rick, that he's not doing um, with the executive power he has to try and fight uh, this enemy?
0: I think there's one huge thing, uh, and it is uh, go as big and aggressively as you can to ramp up testing. Uh, and the United States has lagged on this from the beginning. So uh, we all know Trump was very dismissive of this virus. He said all these things that are going to come back to haunt him in the fall general election. He said it will disappear of the virus. He said we have it under control. We have it contained. He said all things like that. Uh, And all of that has turned out to be completely untrue. But uh, I think worse than that, uh, we're, we're now getting some understanding of why it took so long to get tests out there so we could figure out what in the heck was going on. So uh, there have been good investigative reports by uh, the Associated Press. I think Reuters has done something. There's another piece in the New Yorker, Look, like, what took so long? And they were just stumbling and bumbling all along the way. So the CDC had problems, There were at mistakes in the test kits they sent out um, and they had to redo some of those original tests. At the same time, there was no um, uh, uh, impetus from the White House Nobody from the White House really banging on heads, and this should have been happening in January, saying, "Hey, we really need to get on this. This this could be this is this is sort of a five alarm fire. We need to be throwing everything at this because look what's happening in China." Uh, Now Trump has said things like, "Nobody could have known what would happen." That is not true, Um, and the record clearly shows there were there were uh, public health experts uh, publishing op eds in all the leading newspapers saying. Um, this is a bigger problem than anybody is acknowledging right now. Here are the things we need to do. Ron Klain, who was the Ebola uh, czar under President Obama, published something like that in the uh, Washington Post in, in the middle of January, saying we're not doing nearly enough. And now President Trump is saying, well, I, uh, no one knew that it was going to be like this. That's not true. So in, in a sense, it's if he wants to sort of go with that wartime president analogy, well, the war pre- wartime president let his guard down and allowed an attack to take place or uh, did not respond as aggressively to an attack as he should have. So to go back to your original question, the thing we must be doing now is testing as many people as possible. Uh, I mean, the ideal outcome here would be to have enough tests for multiple tests of the entire U.S. population. Uh, yes, a one billion tests. And the idea is if you can test everybody then you, can, then you can figure out, these people are fine. They had the test. They're fine. So they're free to move around. Now we know who can who can go around or go back to work or go shopping or do whatever. And we also know that these other people here are not okay. And by the way, um, medical experts are saying that the actual infection rate is probably 10 times higher than the reported infection rate. So we've got tons of people in the country who are infected and don't know it. And they're walk, walking around and... Um, Infecting other people, the infection rate for coronavirus is much higher than is than it is for the flu, and the virus itself is um, considerably more dangerous than the flu. So that's why we're having these exit, exit, ex- I will get this right. I guess I want to say existential, but what I what I mean to say is exponential. We're having these exponential increases in numbers here in New York and other places, and that's going to be showing up in more and more places. So. Um, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm mis- mis-
1: automatic right now. Part of the issue is if you're, you're not showing symptoms, you could be out and about and still spreading it. Now, the president could That's say bad. he wants the economy to get back up and running by Easter time, but that doesn't mean that state by state, those governors are going to do that. If they're seeing what's happening on the ground within their own state with their own health care workers on the front line, realizing that their hospitals are already maxed out, I and mean, we keep hearing here in New York State, uh, Governor Cuomo talking about it. I, I actually have a sister who's an emergency room nurse, and she's telling me her hospital is just spread so thin. They have hospital beds uh, up and down the hallways are for people who are ill. She's saying they don't have the masks and other equipment. They need to do their work, and, and she's afraid to go into work. I mean, if those are the conditions, and I'm hoping they're not, three, four weeks out, regardless of what President Trump says, these governors are not going to get back to
0: business as usual, Right. Well, and Governor Cuomo here in New York is actually saying uh, it's going to get considerably worse here in New York. So he's saying, uh, if assuming we consider to do the things we're doing now, we're going to see the peak of this uh, in 30 or 45 days. That's my understanding. And um, look, that, that would come after what President Trump is now saying, let's get start reopening things around uh, Easter, which is April 12. Um, you know, the president cannot order local economies to reopen. Um, that is up to uh, mayors and governors. And, you know, people who don't have this in their community yet, do, I, I can understand why they don't appreciate the scale of the problem. But uh, any mayor, I think, if, if, you're, if the people who run your health care system are telling you uh, they are about to get swamped with more sick people than they can treat, and some of those are going to be fatal cases, and they are going to be um, having to let patients die that they might otherwise be able to save if they had the capacity. Um, I don't think any governor faced with that uh, with that choice, and knowing that he or she would have to explain the consequences when they happen, would say, um, I don't care. Let's just leave all the businesses open. I'm not going to shut down bars and restaurants and barbershops and nail salons. We're just going to tolerate this public health emergency. I mean, so for president Trump to say he's going to reopen businesses, he's, yeah, I mean, if he actually, you know, he probably will not actually do that. Um, you know, I think I, I get he, he feels like he wants to do that, but I don't see how he can because I mean, I just don't, can't imagine any governor or mayor doing that and imposing that kind of a burden on the local healthcare system. And I guess one last thing I'll say on this, Alexis is I, you know, I've been hearing, so as I've been writing about this, I have been hearing from people uh, who live in flyover country. Um, and I say that, that's a term of affection to me. I'm from Pittsburgh, which is flyover country. I, I grew up there and I still have family there. You know, they kind of consider this a, uh, a, an urban or a coastal thing and that maybe, you know, it's like a Sodom and Gomorrah phenomenon and it's never going to come to them. Uh, you know, it is going to hit rural communities. That's what all the epidemiologists are saying. And the problem could even be more acute there because a lot of rural communities have very limited um, hospital access. Some of them don't have any intensive care units. Um, And Governor Cuomo here in New York did say recently, he said, what we've got going on in here, this is coming to your community wherever you live in America. Look at us as the example of what's about to happen to you. So uh, for everybody who thinks that we in the media are exaggerating and overstating this, I regret to uh, inform them that I think they will soon understand why this is so serious.
1: I think that's an excellent point. And a couple of people uh, that I know, they were not attacking when they said this, but they did say, look, I know you're in the media and and I think the media is just blowing this up. Um, And, you know, we would like nothing more than to be able to report uh, better news about this. But, you know, I'd like to think we are uh, the conduits of of a number of facts for people. and, And we hope that people listen to what we're telling them because the only way to get a handle on this is indeed if each and every one of us practices social distancing Uh, Just because what's scary about
0: this is we just don't know
1: who has the virus and who doesn't. Again, coming back to that asymptomatic. uh,
0: I I I just I just want to keep reminding people that's why it is so important to get testing. Massive, massive testing capacity. And if we ever have to overdo it on something, just overdo it. Um, You know, there is a you know, uh, you have to think about the private sector. So. Uh, we have all, a lot of companies now are trying to ramp up production, not just of tests, but of, of ventilators and uh, masks and other things of personal, the personal protective equipment, the PPE that healthcare workers need. But, you know, they uh, they're even now, I think, rightfully reluctant to start mass producing stuff that is going to be needed. They don't know how long they don't know how long it's going to be needed. So, you know, it's some in some parts of the supply chain here, they could be um, they could start mass producing stuff and end up stuck with a lot of stuff that they're just going to take a loss on. So that is where the government needs to step in. That is actually the job of government, which is to uh, to to help companies bear the risk or to take some of that risk off the companies when it's in the public interest and the nat- and it's it, you know a national priority. And the, Trump just has not done this yet. I mean, he has t- talked about activating this DPA, the Defense Pro- uh, Productive Act, um, but he has not really used it to do much of anything so far. And I, I just think he's way behind on this And, uh, you know, we don't want to over-politicize this. But this is going to become just a huge political issue in the fall. And voters are going to decide. Trump faced a crisis. Did he handle it well or did he fail? Yeah,
1: and a number of governors, albeit a lot of them are Democratic governors, but still, like the Connecticut governor, Lamont, telling Trump, you know, I I think you should just shut down the whole country for a little while so we can wrap our heads around this. And then, of course, Cuomo here in New York, uh, the governor here, asking Trump to go ahead and invoke those powers and to put American companies at work to produce the products that we so desperately need. Um, I want to though talk about Biden, Joe Biden. I mean, what happened? It's like he just went into hiding. I mean, we know at least as of the recording of this podcast, Bernie Sanders has not yet dropped out of the race. You know, what's the latest there?
0: Uh, Joe Biden is still uh, alive and well, as far as we know. He has started making some uh, TV appearances via... Uh, I saw one thing he did on TV. They said it was via satellite, but I, I to, to me, it looked like it was just via a webcam, like I'm talking into mm-hmm. right now. Um, so Joe Biden... So clearly, they're not doing any campaign events. And had we had normal voting, uh, I think you're getting to the point that Bernie Sanders. Uh, would probably be gone sooner if we had actual voting going on still. But a lot of those states have postponed their elections. So that in a way, that's a reprieve for Bernie Sanders. He's he's way behind. He's going to lose, barring something unforeseen. But now there's there are no additional votes for a while. So he's going to stay in. And he and um, Biden have both been sort of having their say about this. I don't think the media is paying it a lot of attention. Um, and I think that's appropriate. Um, what Joe Biden, Joe Biden's not the president. So um, there will come a time when uh, you know, he can uh, pre- present an alternative vision for what, uh, you know, what he thinks needs to be done. Um, but, you know, it's this delicate um, problem. So Joe Biden has been taking some shots at President Trump when he, when he talks about this. He has outlined, he's, he, he has a plan, he does have a coronavirus response plan. Again, he's not the president and he's not in any position to enact that plan. So what's the point? Um, But, you know, there is a, there is a, uh, you know, this is politics and it's not going to, it's not going to become genteel just because of this virus. So uh, Biden's going to bide his time. I think we will certainly be hearing a lot from him uh, in this regard once he is the actual nominee, assuming he is. And this is, I'm sure this is going to be an ugly battle come the fall. One would hope that by the time uh, the general election really heats up in September and October of uh, later this year, one would hope that we have made some progress on this, and so that Biden is not really going after a a sitting president as he is having to make life and decision life and death decisions every day. But that it could be in that position. And frankly, I will say, if if this crisis is still that bad by uh, by uh, September and October, I mean, I think Trump is toast. Oh,
1: for sure, for sure. And I mean, and that leads me to my next question: Is there time? I mean, so all of this is so time sensitive, right, Right. But is there time for Trump to turn things around for himself and have the American people view him in a more favorable light? Is there still time for him to do that in this pandemic?
0: I guess there is. I mean, we're about uh, seven months away from November right now. Um, I, I, I don't. I don't have a good uh, feel for that. Honestly, I mean, it's been my my best guess. Uh, and this is this is not wishful thinking. This is what I think is actually going to happen based on um, the analysis I see. We've t- we talked about this at the beginning of the year. I do think Trump is likely to lose in November. And I think that's for several reasons we've outlined before, before coronavirus ever popped up. You know, I think Mike Bloomberg's money is going to make a big difference. And uh, Barack Obama has been on the sidelines totally silent. Uh, I think once Barack Obama gets involved, which I assume he will, I think that's really going to help drive up um Democratic vote. But uh, will we even have an election on the scheduled day? I mean, I, we probably will, but I, who knows? Um, I think you have to ask yourself, what um, prominent people, uh, I mean, a lot of well-known celebrities have gotten this disease. Um, what if some of them start to die? Um, what, what, how will that affect popular opinion? Um, you know, there are, since this um, is more dangerous to older people than to younger people, Um, And it is, I think, you know, everybody is saying, everybody who knows about a pandemic is saying this is going to get way worse before it gets better. I'm just wondering, what is that going to look like? And will voters let Trump off the hook for that when he could have been on this at least a month sooner than he actually was, and arguably almost two months sooner? Uh, You know, I don't know what you think, Alexis, especially as you're following everything that happens in the markets every day. I know- You know, I mean, do you feel like the stock market will be um, in better shape than it is right now by election day?
1: Well, boy, I, I hope so. I mean, as of this, I mean, we've got, as of this podcast, we've got the Dow off nearly 37% in, in just a month's time. I mean, how low are we going to go? I guess we, we still might test that. Uh, but all the experts I'm talking to say it's great, all the monetary and, and hopefully fiscal uh, stimulus that's coming. But at the end of the day, if the headlines about the virus don't get better, if we don't start to see things moving in the right direction regarding the actual pandemic and the health of Americans, they don't see how the market can actually start to turn around to to build a sustainable rally. I mean, we haven't had back-to-back rallies on Wall Street in more than six weeks right now. And, And all the experts I'm talking to say, if you want just a glimmer of hope that you've hit bottom, you need to start seeing two or more consecutive up days for the stock market. But you know, I'd also hope that our medical professionals who are advising President Trump are talking about an exit strategy. Um, How do we exit out of a lockdown? Because it's not just gonna be a V-shaped recovery as a lot of people had hoped in the beginning. I think it's becoming more and more clear that this can become a U-shaped recovery for this market, meaning a, a much slower gradual move to the upside. And I'm wondering, and at least I'm hoping, that there are plans for how we're going to vote come November. I mean, November's a long time away. But even when this economy gets back up and running, I don't know about you. I don't feel like running out and being with a bunch of people. And I don't feel like being in a line waiting to vote. So well, I'm hoping that me. I mean, I, I know, know you, you and I are yeah. trying
0: to do the podcast to get in the same room. I know that.
1: Oh, well, I'll, I'll get into a room with you. That's not a problem. But I mean, when, when I have to go with a bunch of people, I don't know if yeah. I want to do that. So I'm hoping that... You know our leaders are thinking about this and planning for a, a strategy out of this this lockdown mode for a lot of states. And also, how are we going to vote?
0: Well, I think the I, th- I actually think we need to dispense with the idea of an exit strategy because I think this is going to be one of those things that you just muddle through and you uh, never know uh, when you have actually won until maybe it's in the past at some point, and it's not going to be a decisive victory. I mean, the virus is not going to raise a white flag and say, I surrender. It's never going to be that. So we do know that uh, the development of a vaccine would be a a definitive uh, point at which everybody could get vaccinated. And then we might be able to say, okay, we finally got through this. But as everybody points out, that is uh, 12 to 18 months away. And then everybody has to get the vaccine. So that would do it. But what happens in the meantime? Um, Can we uh, get to a point where... Some parts of the economy come back online, and it and we all feel that it's okay for certain people to get back together and do face-to-face commerce and events and all the things we used to do. Again, that depends on super aggressive uh, public health strategies right now and testing, testing, testing. So, uh, some of the um, physicians I've been following say you have to be prepared not just to test people once, but to test people multiple times, and you have to do things like sample the population. So just take a random sample of the population um, all around the country so you can figure out what do we think the infection rate actually is, and then you then use that data to try to start narrowing in on what you think you need to do. Um, can you identify places where the virus, it looks as, as has receded? And then maybe you could do sort of a contained uh, comeback of economic activity in that era by the same idea, identify hotspots. And as hotspots pop up, you need to like put these quarant- these sort of quarantine hotspots around. The, the huge problem we have right now is because we don't know who has it and who doesn't. We, we are going on the assumption that everybody has it and everybody is a spreader. So we have to have better information. This is really a data problem. And that means it's a testing problem. Which
1: makes you wonder if Mike Bloomberg had, had stuck around. He's a data guy. Would he have had a better chance? I mean, you know, he became mayor right after the tragedy of 9-11. Um, would he have had a better chance, do you think? We're, we're just about up against time, but but what do you think?
0: I am not seeing anybody uh, showing real leadership in terms of mobilizing all the resources from public sector, private sector, uh, military, anything else that's out there, mobilize all of those resources into one giant national effort to get testing everywhere. It's happening it is happening everywhere, but it's happening, you know, a little bit here. New York is trying to do its thing. Illinois is trying to do its thing. Who's who's running this show? Uh, not right. clear at this point.
1: Yeah, we definitely need a more cohesive, you know, group effort here, even within our own our own borders. All right. Well, certainly President Trump is going to be judged. It continues to be judged by how he handles this pandemic, and it could mean whether or not he it remains in the White House come November. Still, so many uh, question marks. And Rick, thank you for being with me. We're going to continue to talk about all this stuff in the days and weeks ahead in our electionomics podcast. Thank you all for being with us. We hope that you are staying safe and being well. Uh, Make sure to follow me at Alexis TV News.
0: And me at Rick J. Newman.
1: All right, everybody. Until next time, be well.